Hello, welcome to our third episode of Conversation of Change. We believe that everyone can become a change maker and through Conversation of Change, we hope that it can inspire you to make a difference to the community no matter how big or small it is. So today we have with us a passionate change maker, Vincent, a community leader from a good space. So hi Vincent, would you like to share more about yourself as well as a good space? Yeah, uh, hi, hi, Min, and uh, thank you for the invite and also Pe uh, Pedro as well. Thanks for kind of having me on this podcast. Uh, I guess, so for me, uh, my name is Vincent. I, I'm the kind of community lead for uh, a good space cooperative. Um, we are kind of Singapore's first cooperative for change makers. Like, and the dream that we have and, you know, the, the folks in our community have is sometimes change making alone can be very difficult. You know, we run into so many different obstacles, you know, we're all trying to do good work, but sometimes it can be just so, so, so difficult. Um, we feel like actually together, we can overcome a lot of the challenges that we face uh, than if we were to struggle alone. Lah. So, uh, you know, we, a few of us, we came together to form this cooperative. Uh, it's Singapore's first cooperative for change makers to basically help us to um, create change together. So, so that's kind of like uh, what we are and where I'm from. I see. So you keep mentioning the word cooperative. So I think some of our viewers might not know what a cooperative is. Is it similar to a social enterprise or is it similar to a non-profit organization? Maybe you can share a bit more about that. Yeah, that's a great question, Shemin. Actually, if you asked me eight months ago why it's a cooperative, I wouldn't be able to tell you too. Um, but you can think of it as, okay, so um, the, the idea of a of a co cooperative, right? Um, it first started in Singapore in 1924. And at that time, right, the first few cooperatives uh, started like that. Like basically, people who were staying in villages and kampongs who didn't have access to, uh, to bank loans. Uh, why? Because mm -hmm. they don't have like collateral to kind of use to secure these loans. So these, these folks, basically, they came together and said, okay, you know, uh, maybe Shemin, you have $20. Vincent has $50. Maybe Pedro has like $100. So we pull our money together, we form this common pot. Lah. So now 20, 50, 100 is, we have $170. And if let's say Xiaomin wants to start a business or she needs like some money to, to kind of, uh, for, for her own use, right? She can borrow from this pot and then, uh, but she has to pay, uh, uh, she has to pay in interest. Lah. So therefore the pot will grow. So let's say now we have $170, Xiaomin borrows like $30, for example. And then when she, she returns it, she pays a $10 interest. So therefore, the pot has now grown to $180, right? And then along the way, you know, we ask the whole, the rest of the kampong to contribute to the pot. The pot grows bigger and as more people borrow money, the um, pot grows bigger and there's more profit. Lah. So at the end of the year, what, what, uh, what happens, right, is all of us, we will come together and we will decide on how we want to split the profit amongst ourselves. Um, do we... Uh, donate it to charity, do we give it split amongst us as dividends? Um, but here's the thing, the interesting thing is, so in a social enterprise, right, who usually makes the decisions? Um, maybe it's the founder or one or, two founder, one or two founders, right? But in a cooperative, the members make the decisions. So the cooperative is owned by the members. It's not owned by one or two people, it's owned by the people who participate in the cooperative. And the, 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 second, be the second beautiful thing about it, right, is, so say this, um, this pot, right, after all the uh, income it earned from the, uh, from the interest on the loans, maybe this, this pool of money generated like say, I don't know, $300 in profit. So then maybe Pedro, Shemin and Vincent and a few others are deciding, hey, so how do we split this $300? Um, we all have one vote. 
no matter how much money that we put in. So just now, Xiaomi put $20, I put $50, Pedro put $100, right? In a normal public listed company, if you have $100, the more money you put in, the more votes you, you have, the more you can kind of influence how decisions are made. But in a co-op, it's very beautiful in the sense that no matter how much money you put in, everyone has one vote. So it's a very socialist way of running an uh, an, uh, organization. So that was how the co-op movement started in Singapore. Um, In Singapore now, there are about, I think, 86 or 87 cooperatives. The most famous one is definitely um, NTUC. It is a cooperative with many different kind of social enterprises. So a a co-op itself can start a social uh, enterprise. It can start a charity even. Um, But... The, 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 the central body as a co- cooperative, these are some principles. Um, if you look at overseas, right, uh, there are very interesting co-ops. Um, so farming co-ops are another one that is very popular. Um, so basically farming co-ops started when, say, a group of orange farmers, right, they were growing oranges. And then they, the, the biggest problem that they will face right, is always that when they, they harvest all these oranges right, with their sweat, their blood, and their tears, right, then they give it to a salesperson who will go and sell it for them in the supermarket because the farmers are not sales salespeople. Ma. But then this salesperson will always take a very big ma- uh, profit margin. So the farmer earn like, <laughs> earn like a bit only. Right? Yeah. Um, so one day, a group of farmers were, were quite angry and they said, okay, never mind, let's just you know, pull our money together and we hire our own salesperson. So we don't go and, we don't, each of us don't go and like, engage here. So we, yeah. we hire one salesperson and we let this salesperson work for us. And then they, they, they started thinking also like, hey, what if uh, we can share money, right, to develop new technology? So if I'm alone, right, individually, maybe I don't have enough money to, to do some research into maybe building a machine, right, to help me harvest the oranges. But if all of us pull our money together, we can share the, the technology that is developed. So this is actually one of the stories behind Sun, Sunkiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the orange juice brand? Yeah, uh, that yeah. we all oh. drink, right? So Sunkiss is a is a farming co- cooperative. Oh, I didn't so for, know yeah, yeah, it, it's very interesting. So, um, this idea of the cooperative movement, right? Right now, is is coming back, uh, I, I, I think, and the idea here is really like you know, everyone owns it. Everyone has has one vote, regardless of of how much you put in. The idea is to really have um have an organizational structure that is that is very pure, law. Um, and for a good space, um, we chose this structure because we, we believe that this structure promotes ownership and collaboration. So we wanted to mm-hmm. kind of try this new structure, right? If everybody in, in Singapore is like, say, you want to do change making, maybe you can start a social enterprise, you can start a charity, but what if you can start a co-op? So we want to try that out and, and see how it goes. I have no idea how it's going to go, to be very honest. We are very new. Uh, it was only registered on the 31st of March uh, this year. Um, but we are quite excited because I think a lot of the values and philosophies of what the co-op movement stands for aligns mm-hmm. with what we want to do at uh, uh, a good space in terms of bringing change makers together to create the Singapore of our dreams. So that's why it is. It's a, it's a very long answer to your question, but <laughs> just to share the it's, it's a very detailed explanation of what a co-op is. I think our viewers would have a better understanding by now. So like you mentioned that uh, a good space is bring brings like uh, change maker people like you together to do like events activities and stuff like that so can you share with us like what kind of social issues are you guys championing currently mm-hmm. so we we are a good space itself is like a neutral third space for the change makers to gather together la. so the social issues that are championed by some of our members they are quite broad la. so you have things like uh, mental health you have things like climate change you have things like 
migrant workers, you have things like single parents, different communities, lower income folks. Um, but the idea is we, um, we, we want to be as inclusive as possible. So no social issue is too controversial. So we have folks from the LGBT communities as well. Uh, but the idea here is when you enter into this, this space, our objective is not to push our own agenda or to convince someone to change their mind. But our, our objective is to kind of uh, raise the level of awareness, right, amongst each other towards different social issues. So I, I like this saying a lot that one of our, I guess, the, 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 the elders in this kind of social sector space, right, Mr. Tong, Tong Yi from the Thought Collective, he once said, he said like, you know, we are not agents of change but we are agents of awareness. And I feel like this is really what we are you know, trying to hold a space to do. Uh, rather than telling, trying to convert people to say, oh, you should believe in mental health, you should believe in like, uh, advocating for uh, LGBTQ rights. But the idea is just to really, um, through our interactions with one another and through the activities we run, right, uh, help people gain a different level of awareness, a deeper level of awareness towards these issues, and then they can make their own choices or own decisions, like what they want to believe or what they want to stand for. But we, we, that's, that's the space that we want to hold. Yeah. So you mentioned about activities that your change maker has run. So like, how do you use these tough activities to actually bring awareness to the social issues that you guys are championing? Mm -hmm. So, so we, we, we don't champion any social issue, but the, the, the members champion it. Um, what, mm -hmm. what we do is we, we, we facilitate and help to amplify. Um, so... Mm -hmm. uh, let me let me think about how to share this. Um, so your question was what how how do some of the activities help to advocate for certain social issues? Uh, okay, so there are activities that the that the members themselves run. So like for example, those of you who care about mental health, climate change, all that, they, they run different activities. And our our kind of um, support for them, right? Uh, previously was we 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 had tie-ups with different venue partners, so we supported them with venue space. Um, we had a different, we had our mailing list, we supported them as well. Um, but the idea, the idea really was we, we curated their activities uh, such that these activities were innovative and immersive. So we didn't want the activity to just be like a one-way talk la, or very intellectual, right? but we wanted it to be immersive right? such that it moves people to want to care. So one of the uh, interesting examples that came up previously was uh, this topic of mental health, right? You know, there are so many, so much talks, so much sessions on this kind of, uh, on, on this very important topic. So we actually got one of our change makers, right? Um, to, they, they designed a life-size snake and ladders board game where when you play the game, right? You land on each tile, you learn about different aspects of mental health. So rather than it being a one-way workshop, you learn through this way. Um, there was another one that we experimented with, right? Where two of our, three of our change makers came together and they adapted, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, the role-playing game. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's like, they, they, they adapted something like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, so they actually adapted that, that game, right? Um, they, they interviewed certain youth at risk, uh, and then they asked mm -hmm. them, oh, so what were some of your life experiences, and, you know, what were some choices that you made? Why did you make those choices? What were the circumstances? And they took their life experience, and they designed it as circumstances in the game. So when you are playing it, right, you are like uh, doing things like casting magic, la, you are, you are doing, doing, doing things like uh, um, um, uh, stealing goods. La, and you won't think that it's something linked to youth at risk. But then after that, when you, when you do the debrief, right, then you realize, oh, these are like the life choices and circumstances that the youth at risk face. And in doing so, they gain a deeper level of empathy towards why youth at risk sometimes make the, the choices that they make. 
Um, and after that also, we, we get the youth at risk, right? Um, those who are willing to share, to come and share their stories to the players who played the game. Um, so the, our, our idea here really is that, you know, we are, not the, we are not the experts. We believe that the people in the communities are the experts of their own lives. Like someone, in, someone who is a person in recovery from mental health or someone who is a member of a lower income community is the expert. Like I as a volunteer or even as a change maker, I'm not the, I, I'm not the expert. There's no way I can be the uh, expert because I, I'm not them. Um, and sometimes I, I think kind of like a wider change making philosophy, right? For, for maybe the listeners of this podcast is maybe think about like, how can we appreciate the strengths of those that we are help, helping? Like. And I, I put helping in kind of uh, inverted commas, right? Because I think the philosophy that we want to espouse here in a good space is we are facilitating uh, we are facilitating, we are appreciating the strengths of those we are, we, are, we are supporting, right? To respond to their own challenges. And that's a philosophy that we want to hold in all of the activities that we have here. So I see you guys are adopting the ABCD model. It's like ah. the space community model. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's for the communities themselves to actually upskill themselves, uplift themselves, and we are there to only facilitate their upbringing, uplifting, and everything like that. Uh, I see it's a very interesting new take on a good space. Yeah. Yeah, so, so there, are, there are some nuances about this as well, Shane, in, in terms of like, I think sometimes when we are very eager to, 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 to help, we can sometimes help in such a way that we take away the other person's uh, agency to help them, them themselves. So it's definitely not a very clear-cut thing because I, I think, say, a lot of us, right, we, in our kind, kind-hearted spirit, we want to jump in and we want to help people immediately and make all their problems go away. Uh, but in, in, in doing so, how can we do it in a way, right, that still respect their dignity to be able to help themselves? Um, one of the things that I think, you know, came up for me during this COVID-19 period, right, um, was we, we did some volunteering work with several different low-income communities. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of kind of, and I remember one of the food distributions that we did. So we went down to the community. Um, it's a rental flat community. We helped them do the food distribution. Um, and I, this was a community in Angmokyo. I, I stay in, I stay in Katip and some people stay in Ishun. And we, we came, you know, took a train and all that just to come to this community to do food distribution. And we were all very psyched up. We were like, okay, we want to help. We want to make their lives better. You know, we want to give back. And COVID-19 has affected so many people. We just want to do our part. Uh, so the first two food distributions, we, we did the food distribution well, and that was nice. Um, but in the third and fourth uh, distribution, right, members who stayed in the community uh, actually came forward and said, okay, you know, when the food comes, right, let me come down from my block and I will deliver it to the, to the residents who stay, who, who are my neighbors, who stay in the rental flats, just like me. And I, I realized like, like maybe that is, that is the way. Like, you know, to, to have like community care, right, be the, be the one that, that kind of you know, have neighbors support one another rather than me as a, as a so-called out, out, outsider coming in from somewhere else right, just to, to, to help them. And I think sometimes also like from, from a financial aid perspective also, like we've also been involved in distributing some elements of financial aid. And then when we do the financial aid distribution, oftentimes the conversation is very like, it's not very em- empowering because we are just asking them like, oh, you know, so, so what, what, what are your problems? What are your circumstances? And sometimes the whole conversation, if we don't handle it sensitively, um, it can go into, um, they, it can make people feel like they are not enough. You know, they have to constantly prove that they are very, 
they are they are very bad, right? Or their their circumstances is is horrible to get this money from from us, lah. But I, I think you know in in the volunteers that we had, right, that did this kind of financial assessment, we very intentionally you know wanted to care for the sensitivity of these conversations and to also um not make judgments or not have them to be able to put themselves in such a bad position. We wanted to listen to appreciate their strengths, and I think after a while, if we do really listen, right. Actually, there are a lot of strengths in the lower-income uh, families. Like, it's not easy. I mean, I, I don't think I would be able to take care of like seven, eight kids by myself as a single parent. Or I wouldn't be able to, like say last time when if I'm in primary school, right, I wouldn't be able to take care of my, my, my younger siblings. But these are all values and qualities that, that they have that perhaps society don't really recognize because we only see them as beneficiaries who can receive help. Yeah, so I think this coming back to the nuances of the ABCD model, I, I would, I guess, as a sharing, encourage any change maker who's, who's listening to this, you know, before you jump into the social issue, before, before you are so passionate, right? Uh, first, understand whether or not there is, a, like, what is the situation on, uh, on the ground? So rather than doing what you think is right, uh, which sometimes I guess we do because we are just so, so passionate and wanting to help, rather than doing what you think is right, maybe take a pause, go be a part of the community, enter in the community and just be around them and make observations uh, rather than you know, assuming. So that's one. And then also as, as you go down there, right, um, you go into these issues, try to build relationships and appreciate strengths. And ask yourself, like, you know, you know, what are some strengths that they already have that they can use to respond to their own challenges rather than me coming in to be the, the I don't know, the, the like, say, savior la, to, to to solve their, their, their problems. Yeah. yeah. But speaking about like low income families and stuff like that, I actually read a book about this is how inequality looks ah, like. Yes. Yeah. And this book actually really shares about the reality of the lower income families as well as the strengths that we did not see of the lower income families. And I thought it was a really good book. And I do suggest our viewers to actually read it as well, speaking about the low-income families. Yeah, but other than low-income families, uh, there are also other social issues that do, uh, is also quite well spoken about in Singapore. But however, there are still some social issues that I feel like are not getting enough awareness and mm. we should speak more about it. So what kind of social issues do you think that requires more attention? Yeah, that's a that's that's a great question, Shemin. Um okay, let's see. Uh so there, 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 there are a few. Um I think to set a context first, right? Um, you know, COVID nineteen has been really a magnifying glass. Uh these things were there, just that we don't see them often. So basically with COVID nineteen came, then there's a magnifying glass and suddenly we oh, you know, there are all these communities. Um there's also been a lot of like different webinars and different talks that are out there who are sharing with the public, you know, what are the current needs, which are really important. Um, but I feel the importance of your question, right, is really precious be because what you're asking essentially is who, who are these communities that are not being talked about? So that's one. And then also we can also look at what are needs, right, that are not current, that are emerging, that will happen three to six months from now, right, that no one really is talking about and preparing for. I feel like a lot of the and I, I'm I'm guilty of this as well and I guess you know some of our, our members right we respond to very immediate needs yeah. you know like okay uh, lower income families need laptops need need uh need uh, fi financial aid let's give it you know let's help them with that now which is which is great but I think there's also a space for us to look at you know the emerging needs so I I will try to answer in in these these two areas now. 
So the first one, right, which are the communities that are not being talked about, um, there, are, there are quite a few. So transgender seniors is, is one. Um, so the transgender community as a, as a kind of whole community, right, is a community that has been on the fringes of society for a while now. Lah. And I, I'm mindful that I'm not the best person to, to speak about it because there are so many folks who are doing good work, in particular June, uh, June, June Chua from the uh, T project. Um, but yes, this is a community that, 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 is, that is quite vulnerable in this time, right? Because when they were younger, so these things add up also. Uh, so what I understand from, from June is that when these folks were younger, um, they, from, a, from a work perspective, right, they, 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 they found themselves uh, harder to get into work. Uh, maybe they found themselves being discriminated against and they found difficulty navigating the formal social service support systems. So now that, that, that they, are, they are older, right, they are, they are senior citizens now, um, they either don't have a CPF build-up because of the employment situation in the past, or they don't have experience navigating these social support systems, right, when they are in kind of a situation of uh, poverty. So some of the cases that I heard were quite, um, yeah, were, were quite heart-wrenching. Heart so this is a comedy that I really, you know, if you are anyone who's listening, who's, who's interested, um, might be interesting to look at uh, this one. Uh, the other one is uh, migrant spouses. Uh, so these are women uh, who marry Singaporean men and they, they come to Singapore on a long-term visit uh, pass uh, or they, they basically marry and they, they actually take a lot of the caregiving responsibilities uh, of the household. So for example, like, you know, their children are Singaporean, their husband is Singaporean, and they usually, you know, they live with the husband's uh, you know, family and, and all that, right? Um, but because they are not Singaporean, uh, they don't get access to a lot of formal social service support uh, schemes. And I mean, yes, uh, they, because of COVID-19, I think they got access to one of the temporary relief uh, funds. I need to go and double check again. Family fundings. They, yeah, they, they, they do get access to, to, to one, if I'm not wrong. So, uh, uh, where I did a study on this, if anyone is, is, is interested, right, in, in terms of like uh, migrant spouses or what they call transnational families, right, please, please feel free to check out uh, AWARE's website. There's a lot of information that they can speak to it better than me. Um, but yeah, these, these women are actually in a very vulnerable position because they are vulnerable to things like domestic abuse, domestic violence. They can't leave that, uh, that relationship or it's very hard to leave that, that relationship and you don't get help from formal social service uh, structures. So these two, I think, um, if let's say you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking about which communities can I kind of um, uh, dedicate my energies to understand or, uh, or kind of learn about, I would suggest these, these two communities. I think that the migrant spouses, the community as well, it also brought a bit of magnifying glass towards this situation during COVID-19 because there's reports that domestic abuse has actually increased during the yeah. like phase one and phase two of circuit breaker as well so yeah. i think we should actually bring more awareness to them because domestic uh like migrant spouses they can't leave this family if they are getting domestically abused per se right because they are reliant on their husbands to have to stay in this uh singapore and they can't go anywhere so I think you brought a very good point of migrant spouses requiring more attention and more awareness from the Singaporean public as well. Yeah. yeah. So and, and to yeah, sorry, sorry, Shani. Go, oh, go ahead, please go ahead. No, I, I was hoping to speak to the second point as well. So the first point was like what are communities that are not being talked about? And then the second point was like what are some needs, right, that are emerging that are not being talked about. Um I I think you 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 see certain things like say say the the digital divide right i mean there's been a lot of provision of like equipment so providing wi-fi providing laptops 
I, I, I personally, uh, I, I feel like an emerging need here, right, will really be about certain things like, um, how do they call it? Di- digital literacy. Uh. Oh, so yes. how do we navigate the... So, so in the first phase, it was just, I give you the laptop, I give you the Wi-Fi, here's how you turn it on, here's how you access Zoom, here's how you use HBL. So that's the first phase, right? But I think the emerging phase, right, that we can really look at, or if anyone who is on listening to this and you're interested, right, is how can we basically look at the digital literacy piece for, for especially for kids, right, in low-income families? And how can we support them, right, in now that they have access to this equipment, uh, at least you know, some of them still don't, but I mean, you know, at least now they have so-called better, uh, uh, better access, right? And now they have better access to this e- uh, equipment, right? How can we support them to make use of technology um, to, as an enabler for them uh, to either learn new things or access different forms of uh, recreation? I feel this will be a very in- interesting project because the, the equipment has been missing for a very long time now. But now they have the uh, equipment, right? But the how to maximize the usage of it will be an interesting project to look at. Um, another one is, I guess, also relating to the low-income uh, community space, right? And I guess I, I'm a bit more attuned to this because of a panel that we did a, a month ago on the future of social services for low-income uh, families. Um, but this one, the other uh, piece is really looking at the rental flat experience. Um, if in COVID-19, uh, we are forced to stay at home, during the circuit breaker and you know we have people in rental flat families like five six people sometimes even nine people in a one room two room rental flat right? um how may we improve this rental flat experience right? and not just looking at the support for them right in terms of financial or functional support i mean there were a lot of kind of like food distributions and financial aid um but how can we also look at the social emotional piece um I think there's been a lot of studies done to show that, you know, the stress of being poor, right, uh, affects decision-making. I think it was in the book also that Prof. Prof. Theo wrote, yeah. And how can we provide that? I mean, now you have the whole national care hotline where, you know, which uh, I think was it IMH or MSF set up to kind of like look at, and if you're feeling, you know, you have some mental health issues, you can call in. I think that's a great step. Um, But beyond that, right, um, could, we, could we also look more at this social emotional piece, helping them make sense of the, the emotions that they're feeling. Also, I'm, def- I'm sure, I mean, in our, in our interactions with them, there's a lot of grief and trauma. Suddenly you lose your job. Suddenly, you know, your kids cannot, cannot go to school. Suddenly you have to take on all this kind of uncertainty that you cannot plan, plan for. Um, yeah, and I think that the last one, right, is um, this area of community care. Um, I think if anything, COVID-19 has shown us that we cannot rely on formal social services to do everything. Yes. We as a we as a country, right, cannot and as a, a wider extension, we cannot rely on governments or big institutions or formal agencies to do everything because they, they don't they don't they will not have that 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 capacity. And and the question is, do we as Singaporeans right want to be consumers or do we want to be active citizens? Mm. And I, I feel like there's has been very inspiring cases over the last COVID months, right? Of, of people choosing the second option to be active citizens, saying that I'm not going to sit back. I'm not going to see things happen and get them being worse, right? I'm going to come forward. I'm going to do all these different initiatives. So I feel like this is a good opportunity for us, right? Uh, individually, like if you're listening to this podcast and you're wanting to become a change maker, right? To think about, you know, how can you start in your own community? Um, there are, if I'm not wrong, 296 rental blocks um, across Singapore. Um, there could very well be a rental estate near, near where you are staying. Um, could you be immersed in that community? It's not far from where you stay. 
uh, could you go there, uh, meet a few residents, and you know, uh, if they have certain certain needs or certain areas that they need help with, support them, build a relationship, and maybe nurture a few community leaders to form in the estate. I think I was very heartened by an example that happened in our own network uh, where a group of them, um, one, it started with this guy who was, uh, he liked to go to this area to, to work, to visit the, the cats and feed the cats that are staying there. It's a rental flat community like, in the Mac Macpherson area. And um, when Circuit Breaker hit, right, just before Circuit Breaker, uh, actually two, two days before Circuit Breaker, um, he actually invited like maybe four or five of us to that community we just go and talk to the residents uh, because we were concerned that at that time, right, like, like the situation was getting worse and you know, you're probably going to lose your job. So we went out there and tried to talk to some of the residents and we found out that actually a lot of them, right, they don't know how to apply for all the government schemes um, and they, for some of them, they don't want, they don't want to go and seek help uh, from the formal agencies because of some bad experiences uh, or because they physically, right, you know, they are not, they are not mobile. It's a very big hassle for them to go to all these places to seek help. And even if some of the aid schemes are online, um, they, they don't have the technology to go online. Don't know how to use all this online stuff. So we were quite concerned. Uh, but then when circuit breaker happened, then basically we couldn't do anything because we couldn't go. We didn't have their contact number. We couldn't visit them. We couldn't do door knocking. So in a very in, ingenious way, right, um, what, what this, this uh, gentleman did, um, the guy who was feeding the cats, right? He, because he cared about this community so much and he happens to be a grab food driver, um, he got a delivery order from that area one day. And then basically, um, you know, we, we, he made some flyers and he dish, when, as he was delivering his, his, his food, right? He just put the flyers, uh, he gave the flyers to someone in the community that he knows to ask them to help distribute to their to their neighbors, and the the, the flyers were were basically very basic questions, right? To ask them, how have you been affected? You know, what assistance do you need, and and and, and all that things, right? Um, and with this information, we were able to get a we were able to build a database of phone numbers that we could use volunteers to call and find out how they were being affected, and then connect them to different resources. So out of this, um, this small exercise, right? They got the contact details of I think about forty over families. And wow. from, from, from there, they were able to arrange like food distribution, able to arrange financial assistance without ever stepping foot, uh, without ever physically doing the door knocking. So they, they were able to do food, food distribution after right, when they submitted some clearance to uh, NCSS then and, and, and all that. But I, I just felt like this was a very interesting example that I would suggest right now that Circuit Breaker is over, um, anyone can consider. Could you replicate this, this model that has worked in this McPherson area, right? Uh, in wherever you are staying. And the, 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 the last point on this is this idea of like collaboration and duplication. Um, so the reason why the formal agency right, wasn't in this conversation uh, was because at that time, when be, before we started all of this, we actually reached out to the formal agency and we said that, oh, you know, we are a team of volunteers. We want to support you. We don't want to replace you. We want to support you because we know that you have so many blocks to take care of, right? Can we support you in these three, three blocks? And we, we, you know, we try our best, we, we try to talk to them and, and, and all that, but it was a very, um, I, I think they probably were, were, were overwhelmed with a lot of things and a lot of cases then, so they didn't really have the energy or the, the time to really have a conversation with us. Um, and they couldn't share data as well. So they couldn't tell us, right, hey, so who are the people who are staying in these uh, three rental flats? Can you maybe give us their phone numbers and we can help you to do the calling, but they, they basically cannot like PDPA and all that. 
So um, we were kind of forced to navigate that. Lah. But I, I think I raised this because um, I feel like before we do anything, uh, it's good to have a sense first of what's out there. Who is mm-hmm. serving this community? So again, right, you know, instead of assuming we go be in the community, we figure out who are the other players. Uh, if we can, we collaborate. Uh, if we cannot, um, if we cannot collaborate, okay, then if we may, if we may duplicate, but at least we duplicate with understanding of what's out there, and we 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 do that intentionally, I think yeah. it all boils down to people who wants to be change maker and to help the community per se is to understand them, like really really go down and talk to them, understand their situation, and see what can you do to facilitate this situation rather than like adding in a solution like a. I have a solution for you, you adopt it, something like that. So it's more of encouraging our viewers to go down to the community that you want to help, to want to help, to go and understand their situation, what are their strengths, what can you tap on, who are who can you tap on to actually like help with their situation. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a very good point that you brought brought upon because a lot of people like especially like us who wants to do good, we also often assume that we just need to find a solution for the community and the, the, the problem would be solved immediately. But that's not the case. Yeah. A lot of them like have their own solutions to their problem. It's just that whether how we can understand them and facilitate these solutions that they already have themselves. Yeah. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And speaking about digital literacy as well, you have mentioned previously just now about like students, uh, low-income family have access to digital literacies and everything. I also want to mention is because during the circuit breaker period, right, the seniors were the one that were the most affected because like especially seniors living alone, they those that are not digitally literate, they don't have anything to pass time. Yeah, so we actually like I actually talked to like a few organizations and understand that some seniors are actually struggling to stay at home. They are unable to meet their friends and they don't have the digital literacy knowledge to actually go and talk to their friends online and stuff like that. So moving forward, this might be a situation that we could face as well because in during, during circuit breaker, everyone cannot meet each other. But mm. to teach senior digital, digital literacy, we have to meet them to teach them how to use their phone, use the laptop and everything. So it's something that we can also, we can also look into, like how we can encourage senior to use like more tech stuff, uh, but through an online, with yeah 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 that's a yeah that's an interesting idea and i think this is the challenge that some of the volunteer centers are facing as well you know how, how do i continue to engage seniors um yeah it, it's not an easy um topic to broach uh. i think yeah. even so you look at say senior senior befriending right like mm-hmm. during the whole covid19 situation so there's a lot of groups that come out to want to do senior befriending like it give calls to the seniors to, to check in on them and then um, I think the, the challenge that I heard uh, with some of the ground-up groups right, was this idea of uh, gaining trust of the agencies right, who have the contact numbers of the seniors. And with, with good reason, because the senior activity centers, they maybe have had cases of volunteers who volunteer with them to do these calls previously before COVID-19. But these volunteers were representatives of companies that sold products for seniors, like wow. things like... Uh, fi- uh, financial plans la, what like like other like other kind of like services la. 
So then they were very afraid. So I, I think it's like, how to say, uh, um, when we are, it's, it's, it's recognizing all these different nuances uh, and maybe as a change maker also, don't get, don't get angry. Uh. I mean, it's also kind of trying to understand that, you know, like the other person is also a human, mm. like, like us. They also join the, the agency because they want to do good. Uh. Mm. But they have also their own challenges that they have to navigate. So sometimes I, I, I feel like, you know, when we, as, as change makers, we want to make change. Sometimes we can get very angry, and which is good, you know. You, anger as an emotion is, is very useful because it, it is forward moving, right? And a, a, a lot of innovations in the world have come out because of anger, um, because of a certain sense of injustice that we see. Um, things have changed. Like recently, uh, you know, this, uh, this Congressman John Lewis in uh, the US, he passed away. He was an active champion of the civil rights movement, right? And it, it came from a sense of anger at the injustice, but they protested in a non-violent way. And they had a lot of empathy for the person who was, who was basically oppressing them. And I feel like this is a lesson that all of us as change makers can, can learn. You know, sometimes how do we channel our anger such that it's constructive and not destructive? Mm. I see. So, like, uh, after discussing so much about the social issues and, like, some of the initiatives done by other people, maybe, like, for public or, like, for the viewers that are listening to this podcast, mm. they want, they would want to know, like, how can they also contribute to the social issues they are passionate about rather than just understanding them, going to the community and understanding them. What else can they do for the community? Yeah, uh... Well, I, I, I guess, uh, yeah, so like you rightly pointed out, uh, volunteering is one. Uh, so there are many different ways to participate. Uh. I, I think often in our journey, volunteering is always talked about. Uh, but there are other ways. So you could start your own project. Say after you uh, experience a certain community, then you, say, you see certain gaps. Then you, can, you can start your own, your, your own project. Uh, that's, that's one way of participation as well. Um, you can write a letter to your to your member of parliament. You know, all of us have a have a have a M MP, right? You can write a letter to your member of parliament. You can gather a few friends to start a to start a collective pet, uh, petition. I mean, uh, one of the members in our community recently started a letter, right? Uh, that he submitted to the organizing committee of uh, the National Day Parade to ask that if they can redistribute fun packs, right, that were uncollected to the migrant brothers to show an appreciation. So these are very small, I mean, it's not a small thing, okay, he, he spent a lot of time, sorry, but, um, you know, but, but these are things, right, that we can do beyond volunteering. And I want to encourage, you know, if you are listening to this podcast to, to think about, like, you know, what are some other ways besides volunteering? There is a range of uh, stuff that you, that you can do. It doesn't just necessarily have to be like, uh, you know, you know, like distributing care, care, care packages or helping with food distribution, which is still still good. But I guess my, my invitation or my challenge to everyone is, you know, yeah, how can we go beyond that? Yeah. So bringing back to a good space, how can the public also join a good space to make a difference as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you, you can check out our website, Law. you can go to uh, agoodspace.org and I think you can just click on change makers. And then you can you can see, uh, or or if, if you are a change maker and want to join the community, then you, you can join there la, and you will be able to basically uh, come into the community, meet other change makers across different social issues. So we learn from one another and we create change together. La. Like just now that, that letter that I mentioned to the NDP committee, uh, a few of us actually signed the letter and helped to write it together. 
So I think together we our, our voice actually is, is very strong. And I, I think that's what a lot of us are starting to realize. There are a lot of things that we can do together that alone we will not be able to do. Um, so that's one. Or you can, you know, if you are still kind of finding your way and learning, you know, about wanting to learn about social issues, uh, you can join our mailing list. That's also on our website. And then, you know, if any of our change makers have events, uh, you will be notified and you, you can go and participate to learn more about their different, the different issues that they care about. Uh. But I think, you know, regardless of, 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 of whichever, right, um, whether is it a good space or not, um, my invitation is to do something. Uh, or to, you know, it doesn't have to be you start some grand project. Like, you know, I think now a lot of business, like a lot of these kind of grand competitions, they ask you like, oh, what is your three-year plan? What is your long-term sustainability? Which is, which is great. I mean, there needs to be a space for that. But I also feel like sometimes it can be very overwhelming. Like, you know, you're just trying to do something. You ask me all these big, big questions. I, I also don't know how to answer. But if anything, you know, just do something. Start, start somewhere. Um, one small step is always better than no, than no step. And who knows, man, like, you know, after a while, right, all the small steps add up. And then when you look back, it actually, you walk very, very far. Already. Yeah. So just this idea of, you know, you can think big, but you start small. Yeah, a little goes a long way. So speak, yeah. baby steps, then you can achieve it. It's actually something similar to its raining rain coats. Mm. Like, she started off as like just a distribution to help the migrant workers, but it grew to become such a, uh, innovative non-profit organization so yeah. yeah our viewers can also do something like that it's all about whether you are committed to doing it yeah so mm. for our fellow change makers and fellow audience that are listening do you have any advice for them who want to become change makers similar to you oh uh, wow <laughs> no, uh, let's see I, I guess I, I you know have shared some uh, in the call so far, but I guess what what like what we discussed here I mean around like appreciating strengths and you know not not trying to maybe see yourself as a savior, but just going there to appreciate strengths and being in the community. Uh, you know, as far as possible, try to understand first, then do, rather than trying to come from a place of assumption. Um, but I. I think I actually felt the last part was a very nice way to summarize, which was just to start, start small, mm. start, start somewhere, but start small. And, you know, you know, along the way, uh, if you, if you, you, you know, you run into different obstacles, which you, as you should, lah, because, uh, yeah, so maybe this is the, the one piece of uh, advice, I guess. Uh, it's this idea that, um, maybe I, I can share a quick story. Um, if you think of a wine sommelier, right? Like, someone who tastes wine for a living, um, you give them a glass of wine, they will probably be able to tell you like, oh, you know, this wine is from like Australia in this year, you know, which grape or whatever, right? Uh, but if you give it to me, right, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you anything. I will, huh, this is wine, man. So, uh, what's the difference? Um, if you take a step at it. Maybe it's experience. They're constantly tasting different wines until they actually develop a whole knowledge of wines. So well, it can be, can be applied to the audience as well. So if you want to start, you can accumulate your wealth of knowledge. <laughs> you are able yeah. to So that's, yeah, that's a very interesting kind of point, right, Shemi? Because the, the, the difference, right, is in distinctions. Mm. The 
the wine sommelier, having tasted many wines, like you said, is able to tell you the distinctions. Mm -hmm. They're able to tell you what differentiates this wine from that wine. And therefore, I'm able to tell you this wine is from this country, from this, uh, from this year, from this, this grade. But because I, as a layman, I don't have distinctions. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I cannot tell you, I, I cannot separate what is beer, right? From, I cannot separate what is maybe red wine, one, one kind of red wine from another kind of red wine. Like if I were to do a blind taste test, I will not, I guarantee you I won't be able to tell you the difference. But then the, the question is, how do you gain these distinctions? Uh, so like you said, right, it's also from your experience, you, you have a wealth of experience. Right? Um, in my view, this comes from failure. Because when you fail, or when you run into some obstacles, you will get a deeper sense of what works and what doesn't work, i.e. you will get a distinction. You'll be able to tell, right, oh, like that do cannot, so therefore I do the next way. Like for example, maybe you enter into a, let's say you have a phone call with someone that you want to help support in terms of money. And then you realize at the end of the call, right, wow, the person got very angry, got very agitated, and they say, ah, I don't want to talk to you already. Mm. And then you, so one of the ways to look at this event right, is you can look at it and say, wow, like this guy has a problem, I don't talk to him already. So that's one way you can look at it. Uh, another way you can look at it, right, is, okay, so what did I do, right, that prompted this response? And how can I do better in the next call? Yes. So it is in this kind of learning and reflection that you gain distinction. So in the next call, right, you realize, oh, maybe uh, earlier, right, I shouldn't have probed him and or like, I shouldn't have pressured him to review his bank account uh, mm. remaining amount to me. Yeah. And you gain this distinction, you get, you get, you so-called become better at change making. Because mm. now you, you know all these small, small things, right, that make a huge difference. Yeah. And that's why, actually, if you, if you think about all the experts in the world, right, uh, what are they paid for? They essentially are paid for their ability to make distinctions. Mm. Um, think of an art critic. Like, say, the, the very beautiful painting at the back of you, right? Like, I, as a non-arts person, I look at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it looks nice. But an art critic right, will be able to look at it and tell you, oh, the, the brush palette right, indicates a certain kind of resonance or what. It's because they have gained the distinctions to be able to see. Um, and I would encourage, you know, uh, listeners here as you are going on your change-making journey, right? Uh, when you do fail, and I use the word when because you will, you will definitely run into some, some obstacle one. Uh, you ask yourself, like, what, what can I learn and what distinctions am I making? Yeah. And that will be a very valuable kind of like learning experience for, for you, I hope. Yeah. As in for the, for the listeners. Like, yeah. It reminds me of a quote that failure is the mother of success. Mm. So yeah, whatever you say, it's definitely very valuable for our change maker team if they are listening. Yeah. So, okay. I think it's time for us to wrap up. We have gained a lot of uh, valuable insights from you. So thank you for your time, Vincent. And we have definitely learned about much more about the social issues in Singapore and what are some social issues that we could continue to raise awareness for in the near future. So we also have learned much more about the, your co-op, A Good Space, and we look forward to having more individuals like you to share more about like social issues in Singapore in our future conversation of change. So for our viewers, if you'd like to know more about A Good Space, you can visit their website at www.agoodspace.org. You can also apply to be part of their changemaker community via their website or participate in their activities organized by their changemakers. So you can also follow them on Facebook to stay updated with A Good Space activities and events. 
Yeah. Mm. So Vincent, do you have anything to add on? Mm, no, just, just wanted to say thank you to you and Pedro again for the invite. And I um, appreciate you sh uh, sharing you know, my story and also the other stories of folks that you have on the podcast. And yeah, just maybe to the, to the listeners, thank you for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So we have come to the end of Conversation of Change. Thank you for tuning in and we hope to see you on our next one. Thank you and have a good day. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Thank you.